am ultimate, behold my awesomeness, narcissist, part-time in arsonist. Ripping through cartilage, I am the hardest bitch, wrap it up, putting sarcophagus. Dearly departed, it's done when it started, so now that I'm living so harmonious. Feeling like Spartacus, can't scurry the ultimate, I am the best, it's no politics, bitch, I'm ultimate. Welcome to Vice of Issues, Foul Mouth, Toilet Filled, Comic Book Podcast, where we talk about comic books. I'm Sly. I'm Ryan. I'm Phil. And I'm Daryl. So we're back from the future, guys. Yeah, we're back from the future, and I kind of want to go back already to the future. Oh no, we've gone too far back. Now we're stuck in the Bush era. <laughs> Specifically, yeah, the Millar Bush era. Yeah. And now we have to be comics, making commentary on that era. <laughs> it's bound by law at this point. I feel like I'm like lost in Millar world in my own hell over here. Yeah. Okay, I want to get out in front and just say that we're all, after this block of doing ultimates for this and the next episode we're doing ultimates one but then let's not do any edgy stuff for a while yeah we're taking okay break. please we might do good, good stuff actually yeah let's actually do books that are good mm-hmm. or is this book good uh, we'll yeah out. that is the ultimate question uh, ultimate <laughs> ultimates good yeah so we are covering ultimates one Volume one, which is the first six issues, it's collected as superhuman. Which, which really fucking annoys me that they call them like Ultimates one and two, and then there's multiple volumes of volumes of them. So yeah, like, oh, Ultimates <laughs> one, Volume one, Ultimates one, Volume two. Yeah. Oh, I totally assumed when you're like, I like Ultimates two more. I thought you meant issue seven through thirteen. No, no, there's a second twelve issue, and there's series. a third one too. Oh well, <laughs> Ultimates three is something special. I, that's something we'll have to do eventually for the show because it's the worst comic book I've ever read that isn't. Uh, unfunnies. Wow. <laughs> the idea, the idea behind the Ultimates one and two shit is that it's supposed to be like a movie, like big event. Ultimates two is coming out, but like they're they're kind of too long to be movie like style stories. But well, that's interesting because this is actually the book that the Avengers movie is kind of based exactly. On. Yeah, I can kind of tell that. That was one of the craziest things reading this. Is I was like. There was a part of me that disliked it because I'm like, this is so like road and typical and trite, and I'm like, no wait, this came out in like 2000. Two, this yeah. made the Marvel movies of today. Everyone being like yeah. a snarky asshole and like, yeah, just all the superheroes getting together, but like not liking each other that much. I mean, that's a classic. To, to an extent, thing. yeah, uh, yeah. it's it, it because like uh, it's very Millar. Yeah, it's very kind of like gritty, but doesn't go too into grit, kind of. Yeah, I was uh, braced this whole time reading this, <laughs> and, and and like I didn't, I I didn't have the same reaction I have to most Millar books. I was like, okay, this is uh-huh. okay. Okay, so... So we should mention the Ultimate Universe before we get into it. Ultimate Universe was uh, an attempt Marvel made in the 2000s to try and modernize the Marvel Universe. And this was before the movies that we mentioned, before the Avengers film. And the Avengers film had a difference from the Ultimate Universe because before the Ultimate Universe, uh, you had all this, all these comics with so much history that no one, uh, no new readers could really parse through them. And um, they, Marvel wanted an easy way for new readers to get into comics, and they wanted a way to modernize the, the old heroes because all of them had like origins in the sixties and stuff at this point, and there was no modern update. There was uh, like the Fantastic Four got their powers trying to beat the Russians to the moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, still <laughs> before this, before the thousands. Yeah. So yeah, this is Marvel's attempt to modernize the comic books, and Ultimates was the Marvel's attempt to modernize the Avengers, and. That's why I have two mixed opinions on it. One is this story by itself, and two, the story as what it represented back in the day, which was 
the new hip modern version of Avengers that everyone was reading at the time. Mm. But, but let's get into it. Yeah, so I just want to give a quick overview of the plot, like very briefly. The elevator pitch is, like we said, it's kind of like the modern update of the Avengers team. And it's really just like... Thor, Iron Man, Hulk, Giant Man, Wasp, and Captain America in, like, as if they were, if they were becoming superheroes in, like, the Bush years. Yeah. And that's pretty much the whole plot. Oh, you know, created by Nick Fury. So the plot of the Avengers movie is pretty much this book. And the thing about this book is none of these characters had ultimate versions yet. Like Hulk popped up in like one Spider-Man issue, but for the most part, this is their introduction to the universe. It's not like the Avengers movie where the whole cast had movies already. This is like us meeting them for the first time. Question. Nick Fury looking like Samuel Jackson. That's before Samuel Jackson plays yeah. him. Yes. yes. That was eight <laughs> years before he was cast. Yeah. Okay. And that's one of the funny things that happens in this story because they, they, they fucking knew. Do you, they do you see the power story. of Millar Hasville? Yeah, I'm like, this is a, this is actually... <laughs> he shaped pathetic. a billion dollar industry. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Okay. This is really one of the most influential comic books like of the modern age. It really so, is. Oh god. It starts, and we're actually we're going further back in time, um, to World War II, and it's uh, they're flying in the North Atlantic... And it's all these guys sitting around in a plane about to drop down onto a secret facility, a secret Nazi facility where they have secret weapons. And Bucky's there with Captain America, and this one guy's like, I can't believe, like, like we have this little pansy soldier over here that's Captain America. What does he say? Like, this clown? Yeah, clown in a circus yeah. costume. And then Captain America goes, would you do me a favor, Bucky, and assure these fine gentlemen that I've never lost a crew in three years of covert operations? And this is going to be something that pops up throughout, like, this issue and the, the, the entire Ultimates thing where I think part of the reason why Millar is so terrible is because he joyously engages in hyperbole constantly with his characters. Yeah. Where they're always just like, I've yeah. killed a thousand men without even breaking a sweat. And it's like, oh, yeah. when it's obnoxious, it's like, it's super obnoxious and it's really grating. It, it's toned down a little in this comic compared <laughs> to other ones, but, like... I, I felt it's still that, there a lot. Like yeah, yeah, it's still there a lot. America's like, I don't need a fucking parachute as he jumps out the plane. And yeah, like, yeah. No, he doesn't say I don't need a parachute. He says parachutes are for girls. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So speaking of parachutes are for girls, and he stays in the plane while everyone drops down, and then we get like our classic um, World War II cinematography in comic book form of people running in. There's explosions going around. People getting shot and falling down we, we into sh the We should mud. mention that Brian Hitch is a really good artist. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah this is, like, I think this is some of Brian Hitch's, like, best work, <laughs> and uh, he's he goes for this photorealism that just, in my, like, I think it works really, really Really good really use well of shadows that I greatly yeah. enjoy. The one thing I kind of don't like about him is that whenever guys smile, they look so smug. They're like assholes. Oh, that's Millar. I think they're Millar like, characters. Yeah, I think he's read the script, and he's like, this guy has to have the big, biggest shitty in <laughs> <laughs> as, as saying this. But otherwise, it is definitely really good art, which, again, is, like, the, the pain of Millar's when you're reading a good artist. It's like, I wish you could have spent this time working on something else. Yeah. But anyway, um, they're they're rushing forward, and they're trying to get in, and then Captain America's disobeying orders, and he decides to fly the plane into the entrance of the facility to bust down the gate. And the, the Nazis are about to launch this missile at the U.S. Towards... 
Yeah, towards Washington, D.C. It's like a super missile that, like, the technology doesn't exist yet. And the allies are like, what the fuck is this technology? Yeah, they're like, yeah, the light year is ahead of our development. They specifically draft, like, oh, Oppenheimer is going to be testing in Los Alamos recently. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, oh. So Captain America jumps on the missile as it's taking off. And he realizes that it, as long as it, like, he destroys it in the air, then Washington, D.C. will be safe. And Bucky's like, of course, Captain, I can't believe you. You can't do this to me. You can't leave me alone. I love you, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's also worth mentioning that, uh, uh, like, now we're used to Bucky being, like, Captain America's ally. Here he's, like, his photographer. But before this, Bucky was always, like, his, his superhero sidekick. So, like, this was, like he, the... was like... he was like a Robin jumping around fighting Nazis. <laughs> yeah, literally. Like, he had, mm-hmm. like, Robin's mask and stuff. So, like, this was... That's one of the modernizations that we take for granted, that Bucky was just a soldier. In this yeah. So Captain America blows it up and he falls into the water. And as he's falling, he um, it's reading a letter that he wrote to the girl that he was seeing at the time about like, I'm sorry that you were right that this was dangerous, that I was going to probably die from doing this. I'm sorry that we couldn't leave, live like a perfect life together. Which is actually a really nice moment, by the way. Yeah. I yeah. And that he'll see her again one day, you know, in heaven. And it, the last thing it cuts to is just Tony Stark in the mountains being like, uh, I'm trying to think of how to. He's just a, he's like, oh, I can't wait to just get start my new uh, millionaire uh, plan. And I love being alive <laughs> yeah. in this fucking uh, frigid wasteland and living it up and fucking everything's great. Hi, I'm so rich. Yep. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Adds episode one. Or issue one. And we yeah. should mention that, uh, that Captain America's attitude, like if you're used to Captain America in the films, and this is some consistent throughout the whole book. If you used to a lot of characters from the films, uh, they're very different here. Like Captain America, like he calls all oh, passengers for girls. But he also calls all the soldiers ladies as they're uh, fighting in the war. Like, come on, ladies, get moving, and shit like that. And there's some other things. It's kind of interesting because he's almost more accurate to the time. That's the point. But yeah. he comes yeah. across as a brash. Like he comes across as like a patriarchal figure, where it's like he's just rude he- to anyone that's like under him that he feels that he's like a mentor of. Well, he's Captain Bush's America. That's the point. Well, the idea is that uh, Miller's idea, like the idea of um, the movie and classic Captain America is that Captain America is a man out of time in the sense that he was, uh, you know, a FDR Democrat uh, brought to the modern age, Mm -hmm. a very progressive person for his time brought to the modern age. And uh, he sees America out of touch with the old um, ideals. Mm -hmm. While this America, Captain America, is uh, kind of like sexist, kind of racist, kind of uh, patriarchal. And he represents like uh, old. Fa- what happens when a person from that era actually came to the modern era and yeah. was like, look at all these black people having rights and shit. Yeah, that is interesting. Does he, does he say yeah. that? Does he say that in this? It's he says like, he says when, when Nick Fury when he wakes up and Nick Fury's there, he's like, nice try, you fucking Nazi. I know black people have any rights. <laughs> yeah. No, but he doesn't. Say, he says he says the highest ranking officer is not a general, so I know you're. A, he's a like, fake. Yeah, super racist, but like he is like kind of. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't actually say anything racist. Yeah, he, yeah, he doesn't really, but it's, it's, it's fair. But uh, he's he patriarchal. Does, he's patriarchal, but he's, he's patriarchal. Yeah. He, also, he also says to like oh, the wasp when he goes out for a second, "Won't your husband be upset? Like he's you're going out with me? Like is, like he says stuff." Like also that. later on, yeah. he's like, "Oh, you gotta go stop the Hulk by just beating the shit out of him." Yeah, yeah, which is like a weird thing for Captain America. Like that's my plan: beat him up. Here, here's the thing that makes this book difficult, I think, because. As Sly said, it's so influential that it's hard to take it on its face. And also, we know Millar, that Millar usually doesn't satirize. He does this kind of thing. Because he enjoys it. Because he enjoys it. But I really... And in the Discord, 
our listener John said that it's I only view it as a satire because I'm a broken man. <laughs> but I really do think that he is satirizing toxic masculinity through most of his characters in this book. I, I, no. can, I agree. This is like a commentary on the, the Bush years, maybe because Bush appears in this. Not only that, but I think most of the characters in here are satirical rep- and deconstructions of toxic masculinity in superheroes. And I'm I'm only I'm not going to get into all of them right now. I'll go one by one. But in Captain America, he is a standard jock that is just like a sexist, chauvinist, patriarchal figure that is just like everything he says is like I'm not a, I'm not a girl. I got I'm a real man. I'm a real American man. And like I think this is done satirically. I really do. I did not. I yeah, that's the thing with like I feel like with similar to Phil, I think we've read so much Millar that we can't dissociate. Yeah, why, why satire here, especially when it's the <laughs> That's least the hyperbolic? That's the question that I can't. Answer. It's the least hyperbolic of all his of all the comics we've read. It's the least over the top, and this is satire. I don't think so. We'll, we'll, we'll see at the end. By the end, we'll have a full discussion. Yeah, that's true. Because okay, we, we sure. have like six months we haven't read. Yeah. Even, so. sure. All right. So the next issue begins with Nick Fury talking to Bruce Banner. Well, they're... oh my god! This was the this was the scene that made me think like what Daryl said before the Millar thing because they're having dinner <laughs> and he's like Nick Fury says to Bruce Banner, uh, "Would you believe that half the diners at this restaurant are undercover agents, the highly <laughs> most highly trained in the world? Did you know that every atom of clothing I have has been reconstructed with satellite imagery and <laughs> and cameras, and that there are a thousand people watching every move I make?" Like analyzing There's my linguistic patterns. There's 200 linguistics professors beneath a Starbucks in downtown Oregon that are. And I was just sitting there. I'm like, you couldn't have gone with like 10 or a dozen, yeah. 200 people listening to you talk. How much money does that fucking cost? Yeah, it's impossible. It's fucking impossible. And yeah. it's oh whatever. It's it's. I, that's yeah. the best way to describe Millar. It's it's whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like okay, if if you're gonna have tw- like like 35 diners in here ready to kill you at any moment, why not just have guards? Like. What is the Why point? Why did you eat a private place at that point? Like, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. then you're, you're eating out, but there's no one there that's real. Especially because Bruce Banner is already, he's already transformed into the Hulk prior to this, so he's already been seen to be dangerous. Yeah. I don't get it. And the reason for him transforming into Hulk is that um, he's been experimenting on himself to try and recreate the super soldier serum because they want, like, yeah. a new Captain America, so George Bush does. And he wants, yeah. like, a dozen of them. So that's why Nick Fury's here yeah. to try and get Banner on hit to the Ultimates team so he can help create these super soldiers for America. He doesn't want the Hulk. He wants Bruce Banner, the scientist, yes. yeah, yeah. to... Because they're trying to emulate that super soldier serum. And, and Bruce Banner's been cured of the Hulk, as far as I know, at the moment. Yeah. And there's also... Uh, it might not seem like a big deal to everyone, but this is Nick Fury from the movies. Like, literally, uh, movie Nick Fury is this one. If you see 60 Nick Fury... He was a white guy who was a World War II veteran, mm-hmm. uh, like kind yeah. of in the same uh, ballpark as um, uh, the Punisher. Captain America. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah kind of, he just looks like the Punisher a little bit. Yeah, he does. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, like uh, that's one of the, that's one of the reasons why I bitched about this was because, not because I'm, I'm racist and I hate black Nick Fury, <laughs> but because uh, like character-wise, I don't like Ultimate Nick Fury because he's a dick, and Ultimate Nick Fury replaced regular Nick Fury. Yeah. He, just like every ultimate character is a dick, uh, but old Nick Fury was popular enough that he replaced regular Nick Fury personality-wise, which annoys me. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And so Bruce Banner, <laughs> I'm going to do this again. Here's my second take. <laughs> Bruce Banner is like the ultimate like nice guy, in quotes, where he like he is also this scrawny guy that was inspired by Captain America. So he, like, he experiments on himself to turn into the Hulk, and... Throughout the whole book, he's this, like, really 
like pathetic, super repressed, like nerdy, scrawny guy that like is constantly being thrown to the side and made fun of. And like, he's, he's, a, he's an archetype in and of its, of himself. And the thing that I like about this is this is so much more Bruce Banner and we don't even see the Hulk for quite a while. And I'm not saying I like this character, like I would be friends with him, but I find it really, really interesting how much time we spend with Bruce as this like weaselly like creeper. Everyone just calls him just like a yeah idiot. creepy fucking yeah he, they filthy, act like he's like the f- sweaty yeah. little they're they're like you fucking uh, otaku. <laughs> uh, but uh, the fu- the funny thing is uh, when I hate when I read this comic I hated it because a lot of it felt it felt like Millar never read any of these characters and he was all, taking all the broad strokes he heard of them. Mm-hmm. But I will say this is like a nice way to touch on uh, both uh, Bruce Banner's ambition. Uh, the fact that he was experimenting himself, and the fact that his insecurities, the fact that he's basically this nerdy guy about the Hulk, and he wants to become the Hulk to have some kind of control. Well, he wants to become Captain America. Yeah, he wants to become Captain America, but he uses the Hulk to try it as a bridge towards that. And it's interesting, too, how he also, like, uh, he... The way he, the way people treat him is not just like you're a disgusting, filthy nerd. It's also like they don't trust him because he's become the Hulk, which I think yeah. is interesting because in real life, probably that would be more the case than just like, oh, this guy freaks out and sometimes can destroy Manhattan, but like he's our friend. Like most yeah. people are like, you, you're on, you're unsafe. Like that, that's probably my problem. That's one reason I don't like Movie Hulk that much. Like I love Mark Ruffalo, my, my favorite actors, but Movie Hulk they really diminish. Like he's just a, a green guy they team up with most of the time, except for yeah. assistance. And, but I will say, uh, after I praising him, I want to bitch about the fact that they did explain that when he made the Hulk serum, he tested on live subjects and he used legal funding. So, of course, uh, he has to be a super asshole because it's Millar. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I want it clear. Obviously, I actually like the Ultimates quite a lot, but I am not defending any of the Millar bullshit. <laughs> like, the whole 200 linguistics is super, super dumb. <laughs> this is my favorite Millar book. Well, this and Ultimates 2 as, like, a pairing, but I'm not gonna say that it is perfect by any means. Mm. Okay, so that's that's my toxic masculinity anal- analysis of Bruce Banner. Um, so back in the the story, what happens is Nick Fury says you're you're not gonna be the head of the research team though. You're gonna be under Hank Pym, who is Ant Man, and he's there with yeah. his wife, uh, the Wasp. Uh, for, for, for also watched the, the movies. Uh, Hank Pym was the, uh, was uh, Michael Douglas in the movies, and mm-hmm. Janet is was his wife that disappeared in that film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're talking about like it, it shows that he's using ants, and he explains about that that they're trying to like work with pheromones. It's a lot of basically like if you watch all the the Marvel movies, like you kind of these first few episodes just relay that same the um like Ryan was saying where they're trying to introduce their backstories, but they're doing it in a very short amount of time. They're like, oh, this yeah. was like this is my thing. This is why I became like this because I was experimenting with this to for like the betterment yeah. of mankind. Also, we should clarify very importantly that only Wasp shrinks. Uh, uh, Hank Pym is never Ant-Man. He only becomes Giant Man in the story. But he has a helmet that controls ants. Yeah. And they don't explain why Wasp shrinks until later. Which I was like, yeah. I was, it was weird that they, they didn't say any of that. It's like, why can this woman just get very small? Well, it's a twist. The plot twist, yeah. though. See, Mark is a good writer. He can cheat <laughs> you and make you... That's true. Because I, I was sitting there being like, this is bad writing because you didn't explain it. But no, he was saving it. Yeah, he's a great yeah. writer, guys. I love I love Mark Millar. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then Tony shows off. Uh, Iron Man is flying around in his new suit and he's showing off to a bunch of people, and they're all like, "Ha Look at this guy! What a showman!" And also, like, he starts drinking, uh, and um, Nick Fury's like, "Fuck an orange! It's ten a.m., Tony." 
And Tony's like, no, now it's Moscow, old boy. Yep. Cheers. With, with this smug asshole grin. <laughs> the Mark Millard. Well, well, yeah. That's one of the reasons why I said uh, Millard takes the broad strokes of what he heard about his characters. Because uh, Tony, one of Tony's only defined things uh, like uh, around this era was the fact that in the 70s he had an alcohol problem. And he had to quit being a superhero because he couldn't stop drinking. Uh, and Millard took it to 100. Like, uh, Tony Stark is always drunk in this comic in every single Old Miss comic. All he does is drink and drink every fucking issue. Uh, one thing that I want to point out about Iron Man here is Iron Man's origin is different here. He never had the trapped in a cave in Vietnam or in any war. And no box of scraps anything. to work with. Yeah, no, no scraps in a cave. So they'll reveal his his act like his actual motivation later. But he just right now he's just billionaire doing like altruism. So yeah. I kind of like that he's less nuanced and more of just kind of like an arrogant asshole who does it for kicks. So he's like his Marvel rendition. Yeah, but like still when you watch Iron Man 1, he's he has a lot more of a personal side after he gets out of the cave. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's there's a personal Tony and uh Yeah, let's say there is a there is a re- reveal here. A, a, a little bit. I it's definitely the movies definitely go way more on that he feels like guilt. For everything yeah. that he's yeah, done. Yeah, but that's that's the difference. That's the difference. Yeah. Is he's Tony's motivated by guilt in the main universe and in the movies, and here it's more of a personal redemption. Yeah. Not because of a wrongdoing, but just because he wants to do something good with his life. And that's why him being more carefree and way drunker works for me hmm. in this context. So Tony meets with Nick Fury and they start explaining it's like, hey, why don't we have all these other superheroes on the team? And one by one, like he goes through and it's like uh, we can't have Thor because he's anti-corporate. He's never going to work for us. He's a fucking hippie. Yeah, the, the yes. Fantastic Four, a bunch of people hate them. And we can't have... Which is weird to think about. The whole, like, uh, Fantastic Four, always, like, for some reason, always the most popular superhero team. Yeah. And uh, we can't have any mutants because we're already going to be, like, a political hot topic. So we don't yeah. want to bring more eyes on us than necessary. And then... Uh, Bruce Banner meets up with uh, Janet, and Janet talks about how she and uh, Bruce's ex ex fiance uh, they're like kind of in like a, a tumultuous relationship at the moment, mm-hmm. where uh, Betty kind of Betty Ross, his uh, fiance, left him because he was a toxic influence. And Janet's like, "Oh, I know you're a fiance, Betty," and she's like, "She's not my fiance anymore." And and Jan's like, "I wonder why." Fuck you, basically. <laughs> yeah, they're they're so mean to him, like everyone's yeah. so, and not even, not even behind his back, like they see that, that was one of the things, like where Ryan's like, he's like the the prototypical nice guy, you know, where he he just goes around and like he he thinks the whole world is against him, but at the same time, the whole world is kind of against him. Like when he meets with Betty later, Betty's really rude to someone that she was engaged to, but. Also, at the same time, this is a guy that, think about, like, right now there's, okay, I'm not going to get into this, but (laughs) think about it, he's this, like, creepy nice guy that no one knows what he's capable of, like, is he really nice or is he a creeper? And he also can turn into the Hulk. Yeah, but then be, like, you sweaty, filthy, ugly man. (laughs) Also, I should mention that uh, Bruce is also really awkward, like, he's making jokes to Jan about, oh, hope I don't Hulk out now, and Jan's like, oh, right. Yeah, like, like, that's not a good joke. I know, but that's the thing. If like, you're he, afraid of that. <laughs> like, uh, he's also like, I, I, I can relate to that as someone who whose band is one of my favorite characters. I can super relate to his band <laughs> while he's making trying to play off his awkwardness, but it's making it more awkward. And everyone's oh, like, I oh, relate to him people. a lot, but I, I don't think that that makes him not like an exploration of what like deep seated resentments nerds hold. <laughs> I agree, but that's why I find it interesting because uh, he kind of like 
can't help but but make it even worse than he already is. Mm. Like he's kind of yeah. like he can't. He's not the personality. Like if Tony had the stigma, he could be like charming and make it play off. But yeah. Bruce Banner is just an awkward nerd who's like kind of creepy. creepy so he can't yeah. play himself at all whatsoever. Yeah. So he goes with Janet to see um, Hank Pym, who's doing like his first gigantism experiment, where he's going to grow up to sixty feet tall. And oh, so this was this is something that actually bothered me too. Like, uh, he they said if I hit sixty feet, I die. Like, if, if the human body if, can't support yeah. itself, <laughs> but like, but apparently. There's no ill effects from going 59 and 11 inches. Like, if at, if at 60, the human body collapses in on itself, then it, it seems to me by the, all the laws of the universe, <laughs> then there must be strain put on the body as you get bigger and bigger so that 59 would make you almost immobile, right? Right? I think more importantly, where do you get the other molecules to help make yourself bigger like it's just like growing bigger I and think smaller you guys are thinking work. way too much about <laughs> yeah the guy that, that's how i kind of felt about this is like i like that they try and give it a reason like this is why you don't see like a thousand foot tall you know giant man but at the same time you, you have to just suspend your disbelief because it's just shrinking yeah. and growing big doesn't make sense on a uh, molecular level anyway that's the thing that's the thing with any size changing ability i kind of have to just check the physics yeah. at the door because there's no way to make that make any sense yeah, yeah it, it was just so, a yeah. uh, it's been a while since i read much giant man giant man's my least favorite hank pym uh identity i, I prefer him shrinking or making other things smaller <laughs> but it's like yeah it fits you sly <laughs> but uh i don't like being big <laughs> <laughs> we, we know <laughs> but uh yeah it's, they, they, it is just a way to make him have limitations and they do. I think that his, he does slow down because he never does anything strenuous when he's big. Like I think it does have some effect on his muscles, but uh, it is ultimately just a bullshit comic book explanation. Mm. Yeah. It also fucks his metabolism up, but like whatever. Yeah. As he's growing, like his suit starts to tear, which I was like, I don't know how you don't account for this. Yeah. <laughs> and then what's what's even worse is this is he's such an asshole. This guy because he starts saying, "Oh my God, I'm turning inside out." To his wife, "Stop the experiment! Help! I'm turning inside out." And she runs in to go see him, and then he goes, "Gotcha, suckers!" And he's just this big naked man <laughs> smiling at her. Uh, so if you thought he was an asshole there, wait till you come in. Well, yeah, yeah, but it's more. it's it's more of this noir stuff where it's like. Would you really joke about something no, so serious where you could just die? Like, yeah. well, here's the thing. This is my final chapter in the toxic. No, I doubt series. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, but the thing is, I think Hank Pym in, and Bruce Banner make a really interesting dichotomy in this book because they were both like these like nerd science weird scientists. outcast nerd scientists. But Hank Pym has this like charm that he makes the same, if not shittier, jokes than Bruce Banner. But because he's not awkward, everyone like kind of accepts him mm. and Bruce Banner super resents him for it. Like and he keeps saying like he gets all the credit. He gets to be a superhero and I'm just a murderer. And to, and, and to like reverse that, like uh it's revealed later on that like Bruce Banner is jealous of Hank Pym's uh sociability and likability, while Hank Pym is jealous that Bruce Banner's a better scientist, pretty much. Yeah, and I find that this relationship if either of these characters on their own, I don't think I would like to read, but them together as the, like, in the movies, we see, like, a Tony-Bruce Banner rivalry, but it's never played, like, this severely yeah, it's, it's, as a back I, and forth. Yeah, it's very small. It's way more Tony and Captain America rivalry. Yeah, yeah. front and center. But, well, that's because they wanted to adapt another Millar book, Civil War. But, <laughs> but when, when you have these two scientists that I feel like are more realistic views of male nerds, like, I feel like they work really, really well playing off each other. 
Okay. That's just me. Right. I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm not still fully buying the whole like this is Millar's deconstruction of toxic masculinity. But they are interesting characters. Yeah. But by the way, uh, so Captain America's found the ice at the end of this issue, so they're like, oh, we can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because Fury calls Banner. He's like, guess what? Surprise. Yeah. Hopefully this helps your research. Spoilers. It doesn't really. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Captain America wakes up, but he doesn't buy the fact that he was frozen. This is where we get that part where I mentioned where. He sees Nick Fury and says, nice try, black guy, but black people are not high in American status quo. And he starts yeah. punching him. And yeah, it's funny. Uh, so eventually they, they subdue him. Uh, Giant Man subdues him. But uh, He literally just like holds him with his big hand. <laughs> and they're like, you just squished him. He's like, nah, I still feel him wriggling. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's funny because uh, they actually mention when his nose gets broken, Nick Fury jokes that he looks like Robert Downey Jr., which was weird yeah. to me because he says my nose is more is has been smashed more times than Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> and this is and this, this threw me off for a second. It was like was was this the movie? Like, no way. Me too. Movie. I know. Yeah. I felt the same way. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> well, because his career was like in a real low before Iron Man, right? Yeah, it was. This is when he was known just for being a heroin kind of guy during the '90s and stuff. And uh, it's funny because uh, that's another thing about the old university. We started referencing more pop culture and stuff like that. Uh, yes, we'll get to it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Cap uh, calms down and he's like, "Okay, I realize that I, everything I know is a lie, and everyone's I know is an old man now." And in the same vein, he goes to see Bucky, who's now an uh, old man. He and he, and he this is literally uh, cuckoldry because uh, Bucky <laughs> fucked his his uh, fiance. <laughs> they have grandkids. I don't think this is cuckoldry. They like. <laughs> it might just be me because I'm so similar. I'm like looking at where's the cuck? Where's the cuck? <laughs> yeah, if you, if you're really applying that lens, this is cucking. But like really. <laughs> He, Captain America died, and his best friend ended up marrying. And Captain America, no, but Captain America has to be okay I, with but it. I do like imagine like this. Is, I I have to imagine Millar sneaking this in. Like like an editor is like, what is this about? Bucky's marrying his wife. No no, <laughs> see some we'll see a dramatic moment. Well, in the back of mind, he's like, Captain America's a cuck. He's a <laughs> fucking cuck. Dal brings up a good point that um, Captain America does have to go see yeah. his wife who or his girlfriend who, in his mind, was just like like dating him like 10 minutes ago in his head like because yeah. he's been frozen mm. that's true yeah. he's in his mind uh it's like you just walk in and see your wife has kids with like 10 kids it's like sorry i got cucked bro <laughs> yeah <laughs> i actually really like the way this scene's handled oh yeah, yeah 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 actually yeah. We're, yeah. Like, we're making yeah. jokes about the cuckold tree but it's actually it's it's kind of like very sentimental and like phil said it's sad because it's like they have to deal with a, a person that they loved being dead but that that's now alive but they're so they're different ages like they, it's hard for them to relate to each other again. Yeah, and Gail is like a girlfriend doesn't even want to see him anymore. She doesn't want her to see her as an old woman now. Yeah, yeah he's Bucky's like Gail. Come on, you gotta come see Steve. And she's crying alone, holding letters from him and pictures of him from the forties, yeah. being like, "No, you you can't see me like this." And like that seems like this is handled way better than most Millar yeah, stuff. Yeah, like he actually knew how people acted. Like I won't Yeah, and then he <laughs> goes to the and then. Nick Fury takes him to visit all of his family in the in a cemetery, oh, yeah, and he's like, "I want to know how every single person died. Like these were people that I cared about." <laughs> yeah, and he says, "Like everything I love is gone." And this is kind of a cheesy moment because Nick Fury says, "Not everything," and they they look at him making a flag waving in the air. <laughs> <laughs> but he's Captain America. For any other character, I'd say that. But for Captain America, it's like it has to be. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I know, it's just funny because it's like all this nuanced like character work. Then it's like a yeah. it's, it's a very Millar moment, I think. Yeah, and and they actually throughout. Both uh, throughout Millar's whole Ultimates run, Captain America's Man Out of Time stuff is, I think, handled with a, with a lot of nuance, and I find it really, really yeah, interesting. I thought it was interesting. That was pretty. The whole scene was so sad for everyone involved. Yeah, it's like, 
and uh, Adam, like, I don't know why they would do this, but they recruited Betty Ross to be their public relations person, like the the, the estranged Bruce uh, Banner's estranged yeah, fiance. Yeah, like it's like why, like. Like, like they're trying to make him feel like a cook, I guess. I mean, she's <laughs> she's the general's daughter, so she probably can do whatever. That's she true, wants. yeah. And this is also so one of the special guests at this party is George W. Bush, and this is one of the dumbest lines in the whole book, where he's like, "Well, what's your verdict on the 21st century, Captain America? Cool or uncool?" And then it shows the new costume, Captain America, and he says, "Cool, Mr. President, definitely cool." Yeah, it's like I, uh, it's it's a weird note to end it on when you have all this stuff previously about Captain America trying to adjust to this time, and they're just like, yeah, cool, definitely cool, all right, red, hit. Yeah. Instead of, like, <laughs> yeah, it should have just weird. ended on him looking at the American flag. That would have been a very, like, yeah. good yeah. ending f- for the comic. Or even, like, a, in a cool, like, a, like an edgelord kind of way, it's not even, like, a cool line, like, the president's like, it seems, he's like a, like a nine-year-old wrote it, like, the president's like, you think this is cool, bro? And yeah. Like, yeah, dude, totally cool. Like, it's like, it's not even, like, a badass line or anything, it's just, like, it's yeah. like, like a whimper of a line and it ends. Yeah. Even if he's, like, saluting the president and he's just like, I could get used to this or something like that yeah. isn't just, like, pretty, pretty, this is a radical time. Yeah, rad. <laughs> but, whatever. So, issue four starts with Tony in space with some celebrity, I don't know, they name a lot of real-life people. Yeah, I don't, know any, I don't know fucking any of them. He's interviewing yeah. uh, Larry King, another real-life celebrity. Yeah. Yeah, and they're basically, one of the things that they point Larry out Larry King's is, on space, it's a satellite view, by the way. Yeah, yeah, satellite <laughs> conversation. Is Larry King is, like, can you really justify the Ultimates? Because there's only been one supervillain attack ever. And they're like, don't worry about it. It's fine. We're, we're the best. <laughs> and Cap is now going out with Janet, you know, the Wasp. Like, not, not dating. dating but they're like, just out. Yeah, they're, go- they're going out on the street. and she, they're she's like, she's, like, showing him how to get clothes for modern era. And like, yeah, because she's like, like I'm sick of you, like, showing up in, like, a top hat. <laughs> <laughs> And, and even, that's what that's where the hope your husband doesn't mind thing yeah. comes in. Yeah, it's funny. Is when, like, yeah. like, uh, is it okay that your husband's a cock right now? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> see, see, Hank a cock. This is all. This is the other team of mask, mask man. But again, it's so it's so like like it's barely there that if it this is, wasn't Valar, I would not think about cuckoldry. Yeah, I, 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 want, I want to clarify. Like, I'm I'm joking around because Valar. Um, this is not a book I would accuse my cuckoldry. Like, if if I read this as my own first Valar book, I would not think of this at all. I just find it funny because now it, my mind's in cuck mode. Because <laughs> you're getting cucked by. My my sense of my sense of noticing good character work has been cucked. I'm sorry. <laughs> so now they're like big celebrities. The team is everywhere. They have billboards. They have like you know they are they are big celebrities. And Bruce still hasn't cracked the super soldier serum. And Betty is like really ragging on him. Like you know what are you even doing here? You know we need you to crack the super soldier serum because that's kind of like the whole crutch of our like ad campaign is we're like recreating Captain America. And also like Bruce Banner is like only, that's the only purpose on the team because they only want him because of the super soldier serum. So he's like without the Hulk, without uh, being actually like a useful member of the team, he's just a piece of shit right now. Everyone no one likes him at all. Yeah, and this is when Nick Fury and Bruce Banner go to Norway to meet Thor, and Thor is a hippie protester that's like, no, he refuses to join their military-industrial complex, and he's like, right now you fight supervillains, but what happens when you run out of supervillains? You're going to tell me the government's not going to send you to fight for oil <laughs> and, like, American interests? And, Thor, like, Thor's best character, which, the they, which they would. Yeah. Oh, they Thor would. is the best character. <laughs> yeah, in, definitely. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's... And Ultimates 2 is all about Thor. This is one so, of the like, things where I don't I know... It. Because it was Malara, I don't know if he's written as kind of like a funny spoofing of hippies. I thought he was supposed to be like an idiot hippie, but I'm like, yeah, actually. But everything right, he though. talks about, like, it makes sense. 
But yeah. not to Millar, probably. To Millar, he's like, oh, <laughs> hippies always say this dumb shit. But I, will, like, I will give Millar credit because Millar is a British uh, writer, and every British writer always critiques America. Like, he wrote Judge Dredd and stuff like that. They always critique American, like, uh, fascist police state shit. So, I, 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 even if he's not, like, going full hog with it, I think he's at least aware of it. Like, he's not going to take it seriously. And he's written several books specifically critiquing the Bush administration. Mm. So, like, I think Thor is played genuinely okay. here. But basically, Banner is accusing Thor of just be. He had a nervous. Well, he's not accusing him. He reveals that he had a nervous breakdown, and that's when he started saying he was the son of Odin. So he just says, "No, you're crazy," and he's like, "Doesn't you don't have to believe me? I'm not joining your team. It doesn't matter." And also, it, here's lightning. Yeah, and he also can <laughs> yeah. read uh, Banner's thoughts, and he knows Banner is thinks he's a piece of Which shit. Which is a weird thing for Banner to come here and be like, "You're a nobody." When they flew by helicopter to recruit this guy for their multi-billion-dollar team, it's like he's obviously yeah. not a nobody. I, I think it's Banner, just to show like Banner is like uh, arrogance. Not the, yeah, arrogance. Yeah, he's kind or of, insecurity, really. Yeah. So this is this is when we get the the oh big Samuel L. Jackson scene. This, so they're this talking. Is so weird. Yeah, this is really okay, weird. Can, can I try and describe this? Go it's right interesting around <laughs> saying about like um if there was a movie like made about them who would play who and the the one like prescient note is when uh Nick Fury says I I would obviously be played by Mr. Samuel L. Jackson of course that's not even up for debate. Yeah. Um but they name drop a lot of people in within four pages. They say yeah. Brad Pitt, Sam Jackson, Johnny Depp, Howard Hughes, Ed Wood, Matthew McConaughey, Lucy Liu. Bruce Lee, Woody Allen, the kid from The Sixth Sense, Stuart Little, Steve Buscemi, Freddie Prince Jr., and Nicolas Cage. And it's four pages within this comic that I was like, where is the plot? Like, this is this is like a thing you'd, like, people sit around and do, like, a podcast of where you're just like, who I, I, I will defend. I will defend this, though, honestly. Uh, this felt like a very uh, natural, like, Tarantino-esque dialogue moment where everyone's just Especially chilling. because this is supposed to be, like, these giant egos. They're not supposed... They're supposed to be, like, these character archetypes that we've seen, why would these assholes not be, like, if we were big celebrities, what happens? I feel like you can do that another way other than just four pages of a lot of text of being, like, I'd be like this, oh, that's no, true, you'd be yeah. like this. No, I'd be like this. Like, you, you could do a page or, like, two panels of something similar to that. I'm, I'm just, like... This went on for too long, and this is like this is the height of Millar always name dropping like pop icons. Like this was just too much for me. Where I was like, "Come on!" I, I, I kind of I liked it because it felt like a real conversation people will have, and I, and I always like moments like that. Even if people will argue moments like that would are, are not pointed to the scene or like that, I usually like those moments. In, maybe that's my flaw as a person who likes supernatural dialogue. And and <laughs> Millar is a guy who rarely writes natural dialogue. He always feels like he's trying too hard. This felt like a natural dialogue scene to me. See, this felt like it was trying too hard. Maybe I'm used to a lot of people named in the movie conversation. People always talk about different. I'm used to conversation where people talk about different. And also, and this scene, not with the movies, but this scene is almost. It's it's very similar to the scene in the Avengers movie where they keep making references and Cap's like, I don't get that reference. I don't get that. He that's which when when he says that the panel is the exact same panel copied. Which over, is funny. Which, which is kind of funny. I think it's I like. <laughs> I think yeah. it's funny. I think it's a funny joke. But. <laughs> but anyway, the whole point of this scene is the setup that they're all talking about who would play Bruce Banner. Would it be Woody Allen? Would it be Steve Buscemi? <laughs> and then Bruce Banner comes in, and I guess the joke is that they're picking, like, shrimpy, awkward dudes mm-hmm. to play him. And he's, like, really upset, so he leaves. And then he calls Betty while she's on a date with Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> what a very They, they name drop him almost reference. as much as they name drop Kevin Smith back in that the uh, <laughs> that, that podcast. <laughs> yeah, that movie we watched. 
Yeah, yeah. The Science one. They, they yeah. must have thought he was must be the, the next big thing because they, they really pushed him. Like, it could have been any actor. It could have been fucking yeah. like Johnny Depp. Yeah, or they made so much Freddie Prince. Jr. It's over yeah. three issues weird... and it's about six or seven <laughs> times. I have to say, it's kind of surprising though that this is the only reference that kind of like doesn't land. Everyone <laughs> else, I'm like, these were like really long, yeah, like longevity actors. These, these are that's why, that's why I feel like the movie conversation feels natural to me because it feels like if you. People, I would see people in comic shops having this conversation in real life, and they will drop these actors' names. Well, yeah. Like, yeah. That's why it, it feels real to me. But that's the thing is, but they're not like big egos. They're not multi-billionaire, super rich people. Si- I don't know. <laughs> it, it felt like it felt like a scene. Sorry, sorry. Four nerds. For like like a funny scene for the, like them to look at, it didn't. Feel it's for stupid. There's like Sly who likes dumb <laughs> shit like this, right there. <laughs> I didn't have a problem with the scene, but I'm like. <laughs> Fuck you both. <laughs> so part of the scene is to set up how much of an outsider Bruce is and how, like, there he's the butt of the joke yet again. So then Betty's on this date with Freddie Prince Jr. and she gets a call from Bruce. And Bruce is, like, freaking out. He's at a, a phone booth and he's like, I made a huge mistake. I injected I injected myself with a new super soldier serum. With, with now Cap's blood. Cause now Cap's with now Cap's blood because I really, like, I needed to get a breakthrough. And, and plus, if saying, anything goes wrong, then it gives them a monster to fight since they yeah. they yeah. fought no supervillains. He doesn't say that here. And I, was, I felt this was a really weird transition because he runs from the team laughing at him about being Steve Buscemi. And then runs into this phone booth in the rain being like, I fucked up. And I'm like, what? And then he he hulks out. I, I felt this building because they, they have scenes where people call Banner a piece of shit. And then every time that like Banner's thinking about it, they show flashes of the Hulk. I felt like oh, so it was like a very subtle him. way of showing that he wants to be a Hulk again. Like, he, the whole time, he, like, he does say that to her too. He says that I rationalized it was turning myself into a monster and giving everyone something to fight was the only way I could stop my life stream from going up in smoke. Yeah, and he's saying that that's just a uh, realization. The real reason is because I just want to be a Hulk again. I want to be powerful again. I don't. Well, want he be... says, but the honest to God truth of the matter is that I just missed being big. Yeah. And you're going <laughs> to fucking tell me that this isn't a deconstruction of to- toxic masculinity? Get the fuck out of here, guys. <laughs> I am. Are you going to tell me that Sly doesn't have insecurities when his two favorite characters are Bruce Banner and Hank Pym? It's like, it's like, say, it's like saying everything Trump's doing is a deconstruction of Republican politics policies it's like, no he believes that. <laughs> but so so he hulks out and this is when we meet the ultimate hulk <laughs> i couldn't believe this this and is when i was like oh the ultimate hulk <laughs> this is Milano. i will defend this conceptually yeah, yeah. Oh. but not in application because conceptually it is the ultimate expression of like the male ego where it's just pure like millar i just he like, turns I into hate... mark millar a hundred percent yeah so he hulks out in an ambulance while they try to revive him because he just like almost dropped dead in a gutter and he this is when the hulk all he wants to do is like fight guys that are a threat to him and fuck (laughs) and i don't think the dialogue gets this across like (laughs) properly because it's very easily mockable and it's very stupid right right i'm gonna fight you on this actually if he just made if they just made him if mark miller just made him a gray hulk and just had him be a smart Hulk who just played up those toxic masculine stereotypes and was a contrast to weak Bruce Banner. That would be way better than him saying Hulk horny. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Because I'm saying the idea, the idea of him being toxically masculine, I really like. But the dialogue is so dumb that I like. It's because it's it, so it, they treat the Hulk smash, the, the Green Hulk. Hulk smash, I just want to smash everything mentality, but apply to Hulk horny now. Like, that's yeah, like, crazy. I, I want to smash, like, <laughs> that's like, what, like, that's bang. why, like, smash that pussy. And that, oh, God. <laughs> 
but that is what he's like. You're, you're yeah. totally right, Sly. And that's the thing is like, the, if they had played up more of like, because there are explorations of Grey Hulk in the '90s where he's like a horn dog that are really, really well handled by like Peter David. But like here, it's just it's so close to what I want it to be, but it's so dumb. This is why Mark so, Millar. This is why this is why the Mark Millar-ification uh, of this book because yeah, you're, you're always like you're always like reading, when reading the other stuff, you're like, is this commentary? Is this being played straight? And this is mm-hmm. stuff that makes you think, no, it's, it's being played straight. Mark Millar is an idiot, and he doesn't yeah, write. Yeah, this is the stuff that makes me yeah. doubt it. That mm-hmm. makes me doubt my interpretation of it. So, Phil, what happens next? So Hulk Hulk's out, and the the Ultimates get called in to fight him. Um, and they say that they he left them the antidote um, with an adamantium-tipped needle so that they could stop him with it. Just like Civil War and, II. Yeah. And so he's rampaging through Manhattan just yelling, Betty! Uh, Get away from Freddie Prince Jr., Betty! <laughs> <laughs> literally, literally. Banner too much of a woman for you, Betty? Maybe it's time you give Hulk a try, huh? Hulk horny! Hulk wants Freddie <laughs> Prince Jr. I swear to God. Uh, I don't know if he actually says Hulk horny, but he, no, he does. does. Hulk is hornier than uh, and then later on he says he's horny. Yeah. The, the, the angrier yeah. Hulk gets, the hornier Hulk gets. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so Giant Man's the first one to fight him, and he just like holds him against a building. He's mm-hmm. like, "I'm big, so I'm holding you." But that's not how the Hulk works. So Hulk smashes out of his hands and starts to like almost kill Hank. He like starts smashing his face in. Hulk yeah. gonna tear yeah. off your head and use your skull like a toilet bowl. Thank you, Mark. This Moore. is this is <laughs> the thing. This these two panels are the perfect embodiment of how. Like, he comes so close, he says, you always make Banner look like an idiot in front of Betty, Pim. And I'm like, yes, that's his motivation. And then he says the toilet bowl thing. Yeah, like, God damn I'm it. gonna shit down your throat. I know Millar like, come- wanted to write. And an editor <sighs> said, no, you can't say shit in here. Like, <laughs> he gets it. And then he's like, but LOL, am I right? And I'm like, come on. It would have been better if he said, I'm gonna shit down your throat. Then, <laughs> then use your skull like a toilet bowl. That's, like, just too fancy for Hulk. For Hulk. Hulk is too, like... Hulk would say, I'm gonna... Like, if he's really supposed to be this, like... The, the id that, of the That was the definitely male. Millar's first script, and the editor probably stopped him. Knowing Millar? Yeah. yeah. And so then Iron Man, like, tackles him, or, like, jets him off him. And uh, this is another really weird Millar-type thing, where he's like, I need you to, in ten seconds, tell me a building I can crash the Hulk into. Like, while they're flying, he's like, give me the coordinates of a building. And he's like, Grand Central's activated, evacuated already. And he's like, yeah. thank you. Yeah, I, I feel like yeah. that's actually a comic book thing. When Like, when they're thinking, it's like, oh, no, the train's about to hit me, but if I reflexively... That's true. That's what I meant, I guess. Like, a comic book thing. <laughs> There's a Millar thing later. <laughs> and then he smashes them into Grand Central Station. And they start, like, uh, basically boxing in there. Uh, and he's like, Here Shut comes up. the worst scene in the whole book. <laughs> Shut up, dog breath. And then he... So, Tony uses a thought scrambler on him. Yep. <laughs> whatever that is. And then he... It's so explanatory. That's what it says. He kicks... I wasn't... I was sighing at the next panel. <laughs> and then... So, he knocks him out of uh, Grand Central. And they're like, Wasp, you're up next. And then Wasp oh. flies up to him <laughs> and then just takes off. Remember, she's she's like uh, an inch tall or like two inches yeah. tall. And she's this really Hank tall. Pym's wife. And she takes off her top and says, hey, Banner, Betty Ross got a rack as nice <laughs> as these. And Hulk is actually stunned by this. Yeah. He's like, whoa. And then they're like, they make, <laughs> they that, make fun of really her. small breasts. He's like, and yeah. he looks really excited after that. He's like, he's like chasing after her like. Yeah, uh, like that face that face he has too is like so creepy he, it's, you'd it's, expect him to turn into a wolf and start whistling I, th- I think it's on top of that the fact that she says that her stupid little wasp sting which is her ability that it doesn't work on him so the only thing she's good for is flashing her breasts 
to distract and that's the thing him. is like i want like there are so many parts of the ultimates books that i like a lot that I really like. I really like the way he does satire. No, right. It's deconstruction of how they treat women in comics. You know. No, but like <laughs> this, th- he still puts in things that are just so obviously, objectively <laughs> malar and terrible that it's like, ah. Oh. And they, they so after this, they're trying to go through each hero fighting Hulk one at a time, and then Captain America's intro could be cool. Where they drop a tank from space onto <laughs> onto the Hulk with Captain America sitting in the seat, yeah. and and he's like, uh, "There's there's still movement under the under the tank," and they're like, "He's like all according to Kikaiku," and then yeah. the Hulk puts up a very good fight, by the way. But but what yeah. I find so crazy is they drop a tank on him with him in it, and then the Hulk rips through the tank all according to Kikaiku, so then he can he can spar with not spar, so he can fight hand to hand with the Hulk. But I'm like, why drop the tank just to get... If he knows he's going to rip him over Cause it, it's with... the plan, man. Also, to be fair, <laughs> this is the Bush administration. They would do that. that like, <laughs> yeah, almost certainly. Like, I guess if so. he knows George W. Bush, we're going to drop a tank on the Hulk. He'll be like, hey, yeah, let's do that. Come on. I guess so. And then, so, um, the Hulk and Captain America are fighting for a while. And Captain America's about to inject him with the antidote talking to him. Like... Uh, now get me a Menti Pronto because this little guy is going to be in best of shape after I stick the answer and it's taking forever to do this. Uh, and then, like comics. And then uh, the Hulk grabs him and breaks it and says, like, get that thing away. He breaks the needle. Yeah. So they're like, oh shit, that was our only needle. We're gonna, it's going to take two hours to get... Uh... By the way, about the speaking a lot during scenes, they actually make fun of that later on in one of the later issues. Hawkeye oh. is like, uh, Black Widow is like making all these commentary and Hawkeye is like, how the fuck can you talk so much about fucking fighting people? Like, I can't <laughs> concentrate on doing things at once at all. That's what a funny. deconstruction! Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, lampshade hanging is never like... A super I know, good. I'm kidding. Okay. Um, and so then they're like, well... Plan B, we're gonna nuke him. <laughs> well, first Thor come, yeah, yeah. So that, that that's Plan B. Then then lightning strikes uh, the Hulk. Thor comes down with his hammer and smashes him. Oh, he said he earlier he said he wouldn't come unless George Bush doubled the international aid budget. Yeah, and so we get a scene of Nick Fury being like, "Message from the White House." The president just doubled their international <laughs> aid budget. And to think I voted for Ralph Nader. <laughs> another another example of a Republican just pretending to be a fiscal conservative. Yeah. Which I, I was, like, good on Thor. Yeah, I think that'd be pretty awesome. Like, these are uh, superior powers to make political influence. Ultimate yeah. Thor yeah. rules. So Thor shows up and smashes him quite a bit. And he's like, you know, I'm kicking your ass. Give up. And he's like... Uh, no, Thor just make Hulk horny for Betty again, hippie. Um, so whatever. Betty starts flying away in a chopper, well, a team of choppers. Well, but, 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 but we don't have to go through all these details. All they do is they're trying to get Betty away, and then uh, Wasp gets into Hulk's brain all this happening. Cause it's all no, you have, to, you have to go to the details. This is when Hulk yells, Betty, don't leave me alone again. And he also says, Freddy Prince Jr. can't love you like Banner does, Betty. <laughs> Uh, Betty's all Banner has to me even though that sounds silly that is actually talking about Banner's insecurities that is yeah. an actual but, but you can leave it at, the, at the, the thing of him crying saying don't leave Banner alone again you don't need Freddie Prince Jr. That's can't true. love you that's like, true but even then even then I felt like you got the point even before the scene that, yeah, 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 yeah that like I, I felt even this is a Millar uh, over the top explaining the, what the purpose of, yeah. this, of this character absolutely, is absolutely absolutely and so like Sly said Wasp goes through his brain because it's the only soft part of his body I guess 
and like pushes on his brain. So Sting he un- definitely the only soft part of that body. Am I right? <laughs> You're right. And he, so he unhulks, and then you have a scene that uh, kind of like where he's like, oh my whipping god, on, no. he's whipping on the ground, and he's like, I was just trying to help. I was just trying to be part of the plan. Bruce Banner, he's back. Bruce, Bruce Banner. And he's like, I'm sorry, I just wanted you to fight, you know, someone to fight. Don't hit me. And he's like... Yeah, he says, I hope you do- you aren't going to punch me or kick me. <laughs> and, and Captain America's like, why would I hit you? You're part of the team. And he's like, let me just get you attention for that gash on your teak. But I haven't caught a gash on my teak. And then he kicks him in the face. <laughs> yeah. And See, I'm like, this is so cruel. Yeah, to me, this was like the, the, the most anti-Captain America thing I had seen in this whole comic. But he did just... He just killed people. No, but Captain America yeah. wouldn't, like... In, like indulge in cruelness or cruelty. Yeah, that's true. He would have probably not. He wouldn't have For joked about it. For the record, this is an alternate universe Captain. Yeah, America. I know. Yeah. It's, it's not supposed to it's, be the main Captain America. I know. It just it was like it was pretty cruel. Like whatever. So basically, they're going over the destruction. They're all like celebrities now. Hey, everyone loves us. They don't know that Bruce Banner is Hulk. So they're like, oh, Hulk is a bad guy. Bruce Banner's still on our team. Whatever. Um, uh, Thor makes more like uh, jokes about like I wouldn't be on their team just because I helped like by that logic wouldn't stopping to help an advertising executive with a flat tire mean you've joined Procter and Gamble <laughs> <laughs> um, and then so they start having Tony starts having dinner with uh, Thor um, and with Captain Thor. America he invites and he's yeah. like I'm not going to join your team but I'll help people in danger because it turns out uh, Thor becomes friendly with Captain America because they're both like weird people and uh, <laughs> and now Tony's like wait we never thought to actually invite Thor for dinner we spent all this money trying to curry favor with him we purchased invited for dinner and like had a child uh, is that is that a reference to Bush's lack of diplomacy in the world mm. and only using military might? I don't know, maybe. Mm. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> uh, and then we get this scene where Hank and Janet Pym are hanging out. Yeah. She's going out. They're going to a dinner at Tony's house or something. Yeah, they're going to Tony's. And she's like, "Let's go." They're getting ready for Tony's. Yeah, she's like, "Let's go to dinner." And he's like, "I'm working." And she's like, "Come on, you can, you know, not." Do it or something. Not do it tonight. It's not an emergency. Like, you're just fucking looking at Ant's shit again. <laughs> he's like, I'm embarrassed. Uh, uh, you know, you're fucking flirting with Captain America. Uh, and he's like, what if I told them what you really are? A mutant. <gasps> and it turns out that she turns into a wasp because that's actually, like, she's, like, actually a mutant wasp that she, yeah. like, eats caterpillars and, like, lays eggs in their bed. Yeah, and she's yeah. like, he guy calls her like, disgusting and stuff like that. Yeah, and he's like... He's like, you're filthy, and she's like, you're an idiot, and then basically they start really hurling insults at each other. Yeah, she calls um, him like, saying, you know, because basically, um, he got the the, uh, the size changing formula from her DNA. He never invented anything yourself. So she's like, you're a shitty scientist. You couldn't invent anything about. My they DNA. get really cruel. Bruce Banner shows. was twice yeah. the man you'll ever be, and you know it. And that's like the worst insult in this in this universe. Yeah, I, 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 I fucking hate this scene for many reasons, but I will say this is a very realistic depiction of like. An abusive argument. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. Was... Where they're both just like so fucking cruel. Like, I, I've never spoken to someone like this in my <laughs> fucking like, life. But like, uh, this, is, this is what happens when you grow up in an abusive, ho- uh, like abusive household. Eventually, every argument becomes like a matter of dignity to the other person, and you both start yeah. like whatever insults you can to. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. It's, it's never just, usually because, like, the, like even, even the abuser eventually becomes uh, a violent other too in order to make, try to get some edge on the other abusive individual. And that's what yeah. Jan does as, ha- as Hank is being cruel to her. Yeah, it's never about winning, it's about making them lose. Yeah, yeah. so they're both making sure they feel as bad as possible. Uh, Hank ends up hitting her. Then she grabs, like, a, a machine and bashes him over the head with it. That was a radio. Uh, the ant radio. Uh, yeah, the ant radio. <laughs> the radio. And then she turns tiny, and he's like, come on, no powers. And they're, like, they're like wrestling at this point, like, biting each other. And so so then she turns into a wasp and starts wasp singing him. Yeah. So then he grabs 
fucking wasp killer bug, bug spray. spray. And, and then he's and then yeah. she's like screaming in pain, and he's like, "How does that feel, Jen? Is that burning your skin? I bet it feels like napalm or something." You dumb. Bitch. This is where I thought it got already before we even continue. Like this is where I'm like. This goes beyond, like, um, passion, like, not passion, but, like, heat of the moment, like, anger. Yeah. Like, when you're, like, cruelly, like, ah, oh, I'm burning you, you bitch. Because it's, it's not just that, but she scurries under the desk to protect herself, yeah. and he puts on the Ant-Man helmet, and he sends the ants in after her to attack her. Yeah. yeah. And while he does that, he says, you shouldn't have made me feel small, Jan. You shouldn't have made me look small. And this is where he becomes a sociopath instead of just an abusive husband. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, this, is why, uh, this is a good example of why I hated this comic when it came out. Uh, especially because a lot of these characters, like, we take it for granted now because a lot of these characters are more uh, mainstream now. But before, back in the 90s, only people, only people really knew from Marvel were, like, uh, the X-Men, really. Mm. And, and like, Spider-Man, and that's pretty much yeah, it. Yeah, pretty much yeah. it. So, like, especially for someone like Ant-Man, uh, this is, like... Uh, Millar, I, I, I'm guaranteeing all Millar knew about Ant-Man was in the 70s. Millar, uh, Ant-Man had a mental breakdown, and during the mental breakdown, he created like uh, super, uh, he created Ultron, stuff like that. He, he basically went crazy, and he was trying to prove that uh, he was a bad member of a team, and he was so insecure about his position on the team. And during this this moment of uh, psychoticness, he actually hit Jan when she tried to stop him. And that basically defined the character for a long time. Uh, and it was actually an artist's mistake. He was yeah. supposed to push her out of the way, but the artist oh. made him hit her. Yeah. And it wow. literally defines the character to this day. Yeah, yeah. wow. Because that's one of the things I knew about him. I, I yeah. just find it crazy that, like, again, like, the, the jump there from, yeah, like... Yeah, that's, and that's why I want to mention that, because uh, it took that 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 idea that all Hank... All, the only thing notable about Hank Pym is that he beat his wife, and that's it. That's all he did in his 40 years of Congdom. And it took it down. Not only did it take it up to a million. Like now he's a sociopath. Like this is straight up like different than a spur of the moment hitting his wife. That's what he does in the beginning. Yeah. He hits his wife in the. Not that that's not that that's good by any measure. Obviously, like, but to... it's like there's such a difference. There's yeah. such a difference. It's like he's he's she as she's dying. He says, "Does anyone hear a funny little voice that sounds like Jiminy Cricket with a <laughs> yeah. mouthful of helium?" See, like what the fuck? Dialogue. God damn. Yeah. So he like like yeah. it, it took it starts with the moment that defined them. Takes up to a million, <laughs> and so many people. This is the only anime comic they ever read. Yeah. And for so many people, and and this applies for a lot of characters. Uh, Captain America, like before the movies, now it's easy to know. Like everyone knows Captain America. Back then, in the two thousands, people always said Captain America must be based on his name, like a Bush era asshole. And, like yeah. he, a guy named Captain America has to be like a Bush era asshole, and that's what this this book portrayed him as. And this was like the biggest Avengers book at the time, so it wasn't canon technically. Like it wasn't canon. But it defined the character for so many people's image, and this is, that's why yeah. I hated it. But the worst offense was Ant-Man because he had like no books at this time, and this is how people knew him as not even like a wife beater, as a fucking sociopath, like a, m- yeah. a monster. Hmm. That's one of the things that I think it's difficult to isolate this book because even like the stuff we're saying, like we're looking for Malara things in it. Sometimes there's plenty of it there without us looking. But yeah. like, given the writer and given the influence that it had, it might not be fair to judge, like, this Captain America, because it is supposed to be an updated critique of, like, the current politics and all that stuff, but it's hard to remember that before the Marvel movies, nobody knew these characters outside of their name. And when this is the big blockbuster, that like, I thought Captain America was a jingoist until the first movie came out because of what this did to the media's perception of it. And, like, that does suck. I don't know if it's fair to judge this book for it, but it's important to acknowledge that. 
I also found it crazy that at the end of the issue, he's like, oh my god, what have I done? It's like, yeah, it's a fucking laughable. But they don't ever redeem him in this And it's not, it's not, like, he's watching his wife literally die, and he's just like, good, you little Jiminy Cricket bitch. How dare you make me feel bad? He's a fucking... Yeah, no, he's a complete sociopath. And they also, the last reveal before we're done is... Um, they're asking Tony Stark, why are you in on this? I get why everyone else is doing it, but you're kind of just a billionaire playboy. Like, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I have a brain tumor that's going to kill me in the next few months to a few years. So I want to help people before I die. Yeah, which is actually a nice way to explain. Like like Ryan said, like there's a reason for it. He's over the top, but there's at least a reason for it. So like, yeah. it doesn't feel like But having the same archetype of Tony Stark, like the billionaire who has a life-changing event that wants to do good, having it not be from guilt but from fear of your legacy, I think informs the character as this like drunk devil may care guy a lot. Like, I think that that is an intentional choice. It's a different direction of taking the same premise. Yeah. Exactly. But like, because of Millar, it's taken to a million, but it, it does yeah. an explanation for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that concludes the first half of ultimate one. Wow. And we had so much to fucking say about this. Just these fucking six issues. <laughs> yes. A lot happens. So, yeah. I'm not even going to give you guys a choice if you would read more because you have to for no. next episode. Or what? Are you going to stick your ants on me, you sick <laughs> freak? <laughs> hey, be careful. You might turn him into the Hulk by being Oh, literal. man. So, so far, just brief. Do you, How does this compare to other Millar books for Obviously you Obviously better. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's better for me. It's hard because it's like I, I hate giving him any kind of kudos. So yeah. here you make those arguments and I have nothing against you. It's kind of like, you know what it, I thought about the perfect analogy for this earlier. It's like in the, the comic book episode or like the, the TV show episode where the villain comes over for dinner and they haven't done anything wrong. They just want to be nice for once. And the hero's sitting there being like, I know this guy's an <laughs> asshole. I know he's up to no good. <laughs> I know you're Malone. You can't this. fool me, you piece of shit. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, did you see yeah. this? The, the uh, wasp flashed her boobs. It, it is obviously terrible. You know, this is, he's obviously misogynist. And everyone's like, no, look, like this, this, this isn't like so bad. I'm like, no. He's, like, I know him. Yeah, I, I know, know him. I know uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's okay, though. It's okay. Yeah. Well, this is one of those books that I think it is impossible to separate it from the context for so all the reasons Sly said, all the reasons you guys said. And that's why I'm kind of glad that we didn't do it at the beginning of the show like we kind of thought about doing. Mm-hmm. Because having it, like, ha- after seeing, like, Nemesis and This Watson is his redemption stuff, arc. <laughs> yeah. This would have been, like, a, uh, I would have been pissed at this, like, reading this. Like, like this, this feels soft compared to, like, how I felt about Old Man Logan. So, like, this, this is, like, stuff a... come before Nemesis and, like, Wanted? Yeah. This before. This is before. This is when he's under a leash. This is when... Yeah. Like, uh, now, I don't think, I don't think Malari would even allow Mar- anyone to edit, edit him anymore. Like, now you're, like, I'm obviously a genius. I made fucking Nemesis, best-selling comic of all time. Like, fuck you, editor. And when I say Millar works better with an editor, like, this is the kind of thing I'm talking about that even though you still see a lot of his dumb, stupid ideas and a lot of his dumb, stupid dialogue, there are still concepts that I think are handled way better here than in any of the other Millar books we've done. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So we will pick this up in two weeks' time for the rest of Ultimates. Yeah. So, meanwhile... If I really want to hear what people think, because like I said, in our Discord, John was telling me that I'm a broken garbage person because I like I kind of like this book. <laughs> and, you know, you can also join our Facebook group, Oops, I Talk Divisive Issues, and check out the other shows on the Common Radio Network. I'm going to be a little self-indulgent, and I'm going to plug Oops, I Talk Politics, our other show, because we just did an episode that I really, really liked where we talked about some of the flaws we have with Obama, including his like foreign policy and military endeavors that are pretty problematic. And I think that's 
you know, we talk a lot about Bush era critique, but I feel like a lot of liberals don't take the time to also critique Obama's extension of those policies. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you like the ultimates, maybe try that. <laughs> and it's it's Ryan's favorite episode, so you guys have to watch or listen. <laughs> watch. I, yeah. I think it is the best episode that the four of us have done. Yeah, personally, I think until yeah. next week. <laughs> yeah, maybe I don't know, but yeah, you should check that out and all the other shows at commonradio.com. And that's all I got. All right, so thank you all for listening. I've been desperately wanting to be big. <laughs> I've been just wishing Sly wouldn't make me feel so small. <laughs> I've been gonna tear your head off and use your skull like a toilet bowl. And I've been cool, definitely cool. Stay in continuity. Comrade Radio. Dot com. Independent podcasting network.